Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses your stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Today's topic, in 20 years, I'm going to run your newsroom. That was the headline on an essay published this summer by our friends at Pointer.org. It was written by Ayana Ishmael, now a senior at Florida A&M University, was a digital media intern for Pointer through the Dow Jones News Fund. Ayana is joining us today as a guest and also as our new producer. Welcome. Hey, people leave us. I don't know why. They just do. They don't, you know, okay. Anyway. <laughs> yes. So Lane and I Zoom called Ayana recently, and we were so impressed by her passion and her commitment to great journalism. Let's start by talking about your essay. You hit a lot of points about the challenges for young black and brown journalists. What do you think our, our industry needs to know? For the, the biggest thing I've realized now, um, as I get deeper into the journalism industry, is that there just needs to be support of more brown and black people in newsrooms. I've noticed that even the people that I look up to that were in the newsrooms that I wanted to be in one day, they were like the only black person or there was one other black person. And so I feel like that ultimately becomes like a moment of, you know, can I actually make it if she's the only one there? When you don't see that many people that look like you in the positions you want, you start to question if it's possible. And so I feel like that's a, like a huge thing. A lot of young black and brown journalists are facing right now. So you feel like, I mean, we need to do more to make people feel accepted and supported and nurtured. And um, I, it's, I've been breeding that drum for many, many years. It's true, um, for sure. How have you, you've managed to carve out, you found some mentors, you've, you've connected with people. What, what have you done to, to, to do that? Because at a young, I'm very impressed with how much you've already done to try to, uh, try to build that support network for yourself. Thank you. So it kind of has been a long time coming, I would say. Like, I've always been one that thinks of ahead. So for me, right when I started out at community college with my newspaper, I was already figuring out ways to network and meet people. And so not everyone is me necessarily. So it's like hard to um, help people understand like what I had to do to get to where I am currently right now but it took a lot of me you know putting myself out there and going after everything being at every event which is 
like tiring a lot of the time. So I definitely think while it is great to be a hustler, it also is nice, you know, when there's people looking out for you, where you don't have to grind, grind, grind 25, eight to get to where you want to be, where, you know, there's more people rooting for you along the way and pushing you and helping you up because unfortunately we've seen it a lot. That's like a lot of, um, white people and wealthier people in general have more access and are able to get pushed up faster versus someone that is brown or black and has the same work ethic and abilities. So definitely I took a lot of time planning and prepping and figuring out who I wanted to connect with, who, who I wanted to learn from and just reaching out and being honest about what I wanted and who I was and listen I just five minutes of your time ten minutes of your time I just want to know how you got to where you are right now what, what was some of the best advice that you've gotten along the way <sighs> the best advice I've received so far honestly is a mixture of from FAMU so at my university the J school they're very big on like sh- showing up like completely in your whole self showing up fully and with a bunch of confidence that's something that they always are pushing on us is that you need, when you walk into a room, you're going to shake someone's hand really strong and you're going to let them know who you are loud and proud. And I feel like that's the biggest thing I've taken because that is so important. I feel like a lot of times when you're in a room with a lot of amazingly talented people, you want to shy away. And I've learned, okay, yeah, I know they're intimidating because of how much work they've done, but I need to step up to the plate and, you know, introduce myself strong, hard, and so that they get to know me. That's, That's great advice. Yeah. That is, that is. Um, how do you think, and so you're, you're a journalism student, and so you're doing stories now, obviously. Um, how, how do we include different voices and perspectives in our coverage, do you think, when newsrooms aren't as diverse as they should be, when they don't reflect our communities? Have you guys, I'm sure you talk about that a lot. Yeah, so it honestly is going to take hiring more Black, Hispanic, Brown people into your newsroom that's the only way you're going to build a better understanding of what's going on because I'm only from so many communities. So I only know what's affected my communities that I've been around, lived in, been friends with people that live in those communities. So that's only my perspective and that's only one person. And I feel like to really have a really strong newsroom, you need to have people from backgrounds from all over because that's how you can really kind of dive deep and get full length well thought out stories you're not going to get that if your entire newsroom is built with people that have have the same background they don't they only know their world they don't know anything outside of that and it's not their fault necessarily but it is your fault as a hiring manager if that's what your newsroom reflects because how can you tell great journalism if you're not reaching every corner in every crevice. So I, I think it might be a little too late in some ways for our generation of, and like the leaders are looking to people in their 40s or 50s to attract more people of color in that realm. But what can we do to attract more young people like you of color to to want to even apply for these parts in our newsroom, especially given the climate of the news industry right now? Yeah, I definitely think it could be a mixture of a lot of things. I think for some reason there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of job openings that are very like not low key kept a secret in a sense, but I feel like getting a job like within journalists has always been like about who you know. And yes, I think that's important, but I also feel like there should be room for, you know, like open all calls. Like that's how you're going to get a broader um, 
application um, group, if you literally open your applications to more people than just being like, okay, well, I'm going to ask this person in my newsroom if they know someone, because that person in your newsroom is only going to tell you the people that they want to work with, not maybe someone that could be perfect for the job that they don't know. So I think opening up applications wider and also just the financial aspect, internships are the biggest thing, like internships cannot be unpaid anymore. No one can, no student realistically can do that anymore. So it's like, we have to figure out a way to at least pay, compensate your intern something. So why, why are you drawn to this business given all the challenges? I mean, what, what was it that, that brought you in and you thought, wow, journalism, that's what I want to do. I've always had a passion. I always say it's funny because I was in theater um, in high school. I went to a magnet theater for high school and I was like uh, obsessed with telling stories but when I got to my senior year of high school, I realized I wasn't trying to tell stories like that anymore. And that's when I came across journalism, which is another variation of storytelling. And I feel like there's so much in my small communities that I might know about that people don't necessarily know about everywhere else. So I've always wanted to go into journalism because I wanted to be that voice, that person that had unique angles and stories because they were aware of what was going on down to the simplest thing as clothes. Like I wrote an article for Teen Vogue about how plus size college students shop in Tallahassee. And as simple as it may sound, I had so many girls reach out to me just saying, thank you for writing this. I felt like this for years and no one ever, no one ever understood what I was going through. And it's like, that's kind of what I'm doing it for. It's like, I'm working towards, you know, helping other people like be, feel seen. Representation is so important. Yeah. And it's not just uh, giving voice to the fact that this exists. It's bringing the community together to say, I'm not alone. Exactly. Is there? You talked about uh, the importance of mentorship. What, what are you looking for in a mentor? And, and knowing, obviously, there's lots of different types of mentors, but, but what would you want to see in one? I honestly am not the kind of person that feels I need like a, like a lot of mentorship in the sense like you have to talk to me every day. I feel like everyone's busy. Even me, myself as a student is super busy, but I just love connecting with people that, you know, I check in with every month or every other month someone that's looking out for me, someone that I'm looking out for as well. Just like building a, like a professional friendship is what I see mentorship in them is my biggest takeaway. Because even like, I wouldn't even necessarily call her a complete mentor, but she's someone that has been mentoring me in, pro in the process. Her name is Naomi Elize and she's um, an editor at Vogue. And so she was, I hopped on, like I literally reached out to her. I was just like, hi, I'm starting my own podcast. I know you have your own. I just want to know how you do it. So we hopped on the FaceTime call for like an hour. She explained everything to me, gave me all the tips and tools and that was it. And like, so now like we follow each other on social media. Like I, I'll message her whenever I read anything that she does. She'll comment and reply on my stuff. And I feel like that is like as simple as mentorship as it needs because you know, she's there when I need her, but she's also just there as like a support. And all you had to do is ask. I mean, I think that's, that's a good takeaway here. Like don't be afraid to ask for what you want, right? Or ask for advice. Exactly reach out to people who inspire you. I've never been one. I was like, the worst they can say is no. Or exactly. Not hurt at all. So I was like, I've already gotten a million no's. So this one won't hurt. I think, I think there's so many people. It's such good advice. And there's so many people in the business who are, I think, willing to give their time and help someone out. And, and just the way you did it, you know, just reach out to somebody whose work you, you like and you follow and you, you know, and then ask for a little bit of time. And then like collect those people because you're right. I think, I think some of the challenge is the networking issue. There's so, there's so many connections in journalism once you get into it. 
And uh, a lot of these jobs, like you say, they end up going to who you know. And the, the hiring managers are looking for people that they've worked with before. And they're looking for, you know, uh, certain things, certain qualities. And it's, there's no escaping that either. I mean, you, you hire, the, the, each hiring manager has a different style. You, you're looking for certain, certain kinds of folks. And um, some people look to mix it up. Some people just sort of hit the same old, same old kind of, uh, looking for the same kind of folks. So I, these connections are really enormous. I tell that to students all the time. Every student I meet and I hand a business card to and I say, don't forget me, you know, send me a message. And, and quite honestly, a lot of them will not do it. So I applaud you for following through and, and doing that. It's, it's really, um, that is the way you, you kind of, you get a leg up on the competition. And I think also being deliberate about what you want, what kind of help or direction you want. Right. You know, I've definitely had young reporters who are like, can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, what do you want help with? You know, but you, you seem like you have a very specific need or want in mind before you approach somebody. And I think that's probably helping a lot too. Yeah, I've always been very specific like with who I reach out with. I try not to reach out to someone unless like I'm like specifically asking them for something because I understand that they're busy. So I want to come to them as like quick and prompt as I possibly can. What's it like uh, to be a student journalist as a, at an HBCU these days, given everything that's going on? It definitely, I kind of think it's more so not funny, but it is ironic in the sense because I've just like, we, me and my staff members have just had this revelation that, you know, right now so many people are trying to pivot to make sure they're covering black stories. But at my historically black university, our audience was always black people. So all we cover was black stories. So it was always interesting being like, oh, well, like when someone would ask me, like, how are you guys over there? Like figuring out how to like, you know, really like share black voices and stories. And I'm like, that's all we do. I was like, that's all we've ever done. <laughs> like, so I thought that was always an interesting part of it right now that it's nothing is really changing. We're just like, it's what we're used to. Like, we, it's, we, we've been seeing it going on for years. So now we're just like, okay, let's try to push the voice even more. I was just gonna say, so yeah, yeah I, everybody else is playing catch up. Do you, I just was wanted to follow up on this. Do, are you, you guys talk about what you're seeing in um, in coverage around the country, and would, are there things that you think people are doing well and things they're not doing so well? I think there are a lot of things people are doing well right now. I still just it's always iffy because it's like I don't want it to be just a trend right now where people are hiring black people and allowing black people to tell stories. I think it's just something that we need to like keep holding people accountable to. You can't just support black people right now because it's on trend. And then a couple months when this is all passed, you're back to your normal ways. It doesn't work like that. Have you had other uh, student newspapers or journalists of any kind reaching out to you guys for help or perspective? I've had several people reach out in general, just about like my perspective as a black person. And it's like, I'm very helpful in that sense. Like I'm always down to explain something to someone. But I also like to like let people know like it also is your duty to like, you know, Google this and like it isn't my job to always be that person for you, but I don't mind being that person for people. So it's mostly just been people reaching out about like, well, what can they do better? How do we feel personally about what's going on? That kind of stuff. So I was, I'm, I'm very, I'm always curious about this when somebody is at a young age really eager to be a leader because so many people do not want to be a boss, at least at the beginning. So why are you so excited for that path? Why did, why does that, why are you drawn to that? I, it's kind of funny. I saw this 
tweet the other day. I'm probably going to like say it completely wrong, but it basically was like, I may not always have the answer, but I always know who does. And I feel like I've always been that kind of person. I've always, if I can't find you the answer, I know exactly who has the answer. And I feel like that's like a perfect quality to have when it comes to leadership. And I personally just enjoy working with other people. And um, I've always been very empathetic and helpful to my friends and so when I am in leadership positions I always want the best for other people as well not just myself and so that's what's really drawn me into like leadership positions because I kind of get to do it all I get to write I get to edit but I also get to mentor and assist um, my colleagues in any way I can. And talk a little bit about some of your goals not only running a newsroom in 20 years that the long game but as your senior year here as a student editor and then what comes after graduation for you? Yeah, so for this upcoming year, my goals are just to continue to write good, strong stories, um, hopefully enter them into some awards and win, and then basically apply to fellowships, internship programs, anything and everything that's going to be open in the next couple of weeks for the next summer, and hopefully get one of those so I can set myself up for a job. What would be your dream job right out of the gate? Honestly, I don't necessarily have like a position I would take anything whether it's a writer assistant editor whatever um, position is open I'd be down for completely whether it's a magazine or a newspaper talk talk a little bit about your own podcast because you you um that's that's another I mean I I I love young people because they can do everything all at once um you know they're used to multitasking Yeah, so Black Fat Fashion got started, honestly, over a year ago. I had the idea for the longest time, but I never got around to starting it. I was just like, I really want to do a podcast. I don't know what to call it. And then one of my professors was like, okay, just give me, what what are you thinking? Because she's like, you have a name in your head, but you're like hesitant. And I'm like, yeah. So I told her, I was like, Black Fat Fashion. She was like, that's it. And I was like, you sure? People are going to hate it, like fat. And she was like, no, that's the whole point. Like, either they're going to love it or they're going to hate it. And so I really just wanted the podcast to be a space where I could talk to black women and men that are currently in the fashion industry or are adjacent to the fashion industry and how they're reaching after their goals, how they're dealing with, you know, being kind of the odd man out in a sense, you know, because being black or fat in fashion is not the norm, the norm at all. So kind of just, building up on their journeys, their stories, and getting to have like an open, candid conversation with so many amazing people has been so much fun. Okay, so I have one more question, because you are our future. How, what do we need to do, we meaning you, us, our collective industry to like save ourselves in, in for the next 20 years? I, the one thing I can just say is continue to push for representation and mentorship and diversity. That is like, if we stick to that, I feel like we can't go wrong. Continue to push for that. Don't stop pushing for that. And don't be afraid to call it what it is. I feel like journalism, they try to act like we're so objective that we can't do this and that. And it's like, yes, we're objective, but certain things like call a spade a spade, you know? People are afraid to because they don't want to step on any higher up toes. But it's like we have to do the right thing, especially if we're the public service, you know? You, uh, you have really, I, I, you've become passionate about journalism just in these last few years, right? And yeah. I, and then you're, um, I mean, I'm struck by you're, you're, you're kind of, you want to tell stories, you know, if podcasting is the right format, you're going in that direction. 
you know, you, you could do magazines, you could do newspapers, right? You're, you're kind of leaving yourself open to, to find whatever path makes the most sense for you. Yeah. That, that's, that's smart. I mean, I, I, I think, um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and it sounds like too, that you're embracing your passions and trying to make sure that you're doing the, the kind of things that are going to be meaningful to you. Most which definitely. Is also, which is also a good lesson for young journalists, I think, you know. Well, uh, and thinking so far down the path too, you know, I think a lot of people just think about like, okay, I'm going to graduate college and I'm getting a job, but you have this long view, which is, is so helpful. I mean, I'm, I know you have many doors that can still open in different directions, but knowing down the road what some of your goals and desires are, I think that's super helpful. So we'll, we will uh, post a link to Ayana's essay on Pointer, which you should read and listen to and, pay, and uh, do everything she says. We totally agree with it. Um, and uh, if you have a question for her or for Lane, you want to suggest a podcast topic, find us on our Facebook group or email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Ayana Ishmael. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.